Rodgers does this better than anybody. End zone, Cobb, touchdown! Unbelievable! Steps up. Long look, and he's got Hilton for the touchdown! Hey guys, welcome back to Oblivious Sports with me, Adam Calloway, and Ramey Ayo. Um, thanks for coming back to the cast to enjoy another episode of Sports with us. Yeah, we're excited to really get into a full episode. Introduction-wise, we just kind of wanted to put a little brief intro out there, but now we get to talk about the more fun things and put out some real content for you guys. So it's a really exciting time in sports, obviously. Baseball's getting ready to come back up, but more importantly, we've got the Super Bowl coming up as well. We're going to touch just briefly on that for now with, you know, obviously it's going to be a little more next week. For now, we'll just kind of touch a little bit on it. Some of the storylines are going to be really cool. Like, obviously, you've got... Hertz versus Mahomes going into it is going to be awesome. You've got the Kelsey Bowl. You've got Andy Reid's former team versus his new team. Kind of talking a little bit about how Mahomes is going to kind of cement his legacy here a little bit. He's starting to really get into the, okay, this is my third Super Bowl already. If I win again, you've already got two under your belt at such a young age. It's going to be really cool for him and kind of see where he can end up ranking. Yeah, I like where you come with that, Ramey. I think with Brady obviously going out of the league, Mahomes is going to take over as that guy that consistently come in, get it done, get the wins. Uh, same thing with Joe Burrow, you know, facing him in the AFC Championship game. He's kind of like what we've talked about before, you know, a Manning and Brady kind of thing. But Mahomes really is going to cement his legacy, I think, regardless of whether or not he wins this third Super Bowl appearance already, fourth straight AC championship game. This guy's the real deal. Yeah, it's really cool seeing somebody kind of take that realm over. Obviously, the big story today that we're going to cover is Brady announcing his retirement, kind of what that's going to do. But I really like talking about just a quick recap of the AFC championship as well. Burrow and Mahomes being there again. That's just, it's really going to be a battle back and forth for years to come. I think Brady and Manning obviously went at it for years and years and years. That's more our generational type thing. And it's going to be really cool to see potentially a new generation of that kind of fight back and forth every year, seeing how that's going to go. Yeah. Joe Burrow is that kind of guy that's always going to give you accuracy. He's going to give your team a chance to win. He is just that kind of guy. Um, Joe Shiesty. I mean, come on, man. What's not like to what's not to like about that guy? And real quick, just on Mahomes, that man just obviously he's a very skilled quarterback, the most skilled quarterback in the league. But just the fact that he took on Joe Burrow and the Bengals, who just came off of going to the Super Bowl, basically on one leg and still took them down. Obviously, there were some kind of shady calls in the game, but ultimately they didn't really end up helping that much. You have a replayed third down, they still don't convert, and you have to call that or the unnecessary roughness call. It's it's blatant at that point, and could you imagine how it looks the other way around at this point? If you don't make that call and it goes the other way, you're going to hear about it for years how Mahomes should have been in another Super Bowl at that point. So even though there were some kind of iffy calls, really the big story there is just Mahomes being able to put on a show basically on one leg. Yeah, and I'll never get the clowning or dogging on Osai there. The dude made multiple plays in the game, and that one play didn't sum up the game. One play doesn't sum up an entire 60-minute game. You got four 15-minute quarters. The guy tackled Pacheco behind the line at least twice that I saw. The dude is young, third-round pick uh, two years ago. I mean, Buddy's got a bright future ahead of him. You make one bad play. I mean, you saw how much that affected him. Crying in the locker room. Uh, the teammates there for him, though, I mean, that's outstanding. But like I said, it that one play is never going to make the game, no matter what people look at it. Sure, it was the, the play that decided to put them in field goal range. But, I mean, he could have missed that field goal. Then you're going to overtime. That play doesn't make it. Uh, Joe Burrow's two picks, whether they were his fault or not, those plays could have determined it. Um, if the Bengals didn't go three and out some series, going down 13-3, to three, there are so many factors in that game. Quit dogging on that, man. 
I mean, he obviously he made a mistake there. You can't go after him like that. But in the middle of the game, when you're going that hard, I mean, you're talking, you let Mahomes get into field goal range on his own. Then you're talking about how the defense couldn't hold him back. He was just going for the play as hard as he could. Obviously hit him a little late, but that doesn't, like you said, that doesn't determine the game. He played a hell of a game. And really, I mean, there were plenty of other factors where the Bengals didn't execute well enough to beat the Chiefs. I mean, you have Mahomes in there hurt. You have him missing receivers. You still can't beat him. That's not on one guy making a push on Mahomes there. That's on the whole team just not executing the way that they should have. And I'd like to switch gears here a little and stop talking about the quarterbacks, although, you know, that's the focus of every team. Quarterback, quarterback, quarterback. It's a passing league. If you don't have a quarterback, you're not going to win, obviously. But can we talk about Travis Kelsey, first of all, banged up going in there. I mean, that man is just insane. I personally think George Kittle is the better overall tight end in terms of blocking uh, what he's able to do. But Travis Kelsey is the best receiving tight end there is. And Jamar Chase is just that man, that gutsy Zach Taylor call on that fourth down. Uh, you're in you're in four down territory there, but Jamar Chase double coverage. Joe Burrow threw it up there for him, and that man came down with it. He is just that man. Yeah, I mean Travis Kelsey is just built different. He really is. I mean, when you're that big and you have that much speed, you can just plow over anybody you want. There, he's a coverage nightmare, and that's going to be a big thing going into the Super Bowl. Obviously, is how are you going to manage that man? But really, I mean, you saw it with Mahomes both times when he was. Uh, when he got hurt in the game before and then when he's hurt going into that game and he just went and out just find Kelsey somewhere he's either going to be open or he's going to be able to just beat whoever he's on anyways it's it's a coverage nightmare for anybody but yeah Jamar Chase I mean he he's built different as well he's young but him and Burrow are going to be a nightmare for years to come in that league it's 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 a matchup nightmare for him as well. I mean, you can't put anyone on him when he's healthy and expect him to be able to be covered. Yeah, much like how we were talking about, it's going to be a Manning-Brady between uh, Mahomes and Burrow there. I mean, can we talk about a Manning-Harrison? Uh, one of the best connections ever. That sums it up for me, really, when I think when I think best quarterback-wide receiver duo, obviously me being a Colts fan, I automatically assume right to uh, Manning Harrison, and and that's the kind of rapport that they have already played together in college. Whenever in doubt, like you said, Mahomes gives it to Kelsey Burrow, the same thing with Jamar Chase. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's going to be – both of them are going to be a nightmare for the league, but them having that chemistry already built in when they came into the league, you didn't have to try to build it up. You see a lot of quarterbacks having kind of some struggle years there with – their young receivers getting used to them figuring out how to be acclimated to the league. It's obviously already a matchup nightmare for everybody, but having him being able to have that chemistry, the kind of the back shoulder plays, all that stuff that they've had built in for years already. I mean, it's, it's hard to defend. It really is. Um, But enough on the AFC, obviously it's, it's a big story, but the bigger story coming into today that we want to talk about is Brady being gone uh, again. It's the actually it's the same day that he announced it last year. He announced it again. He says he's done. And this time he says it's for good. And it, it's going to have a big impact on everything that's coming up this offseason. Yeah, it really is. Uh, is he really going to be gone this year? A lot of people around him are saying he truly is. But some people are saying they got to see it to believe it. I truly believe he's gone this time. I don't I don't think he's going to pull a Brett Favre and make a mockery of himself with is he retiring is he not retiring? I think that would impact his legacy. Not not nearly in any factor that people would pay much attention to it, but people would be like, "Okay, is this guy just playing with us to get a little more more of the spotlight here?" But again, it's Brady. I mean, he doesn't need any more legacy already. Ten Super Bowl appearances, seven Super Bowl wins. What more can you want from a quarterback? Yeah, you can't ask for any more. I mean, he had a 70% chance during his career of making it all the way to the AFC Championship. That's a higher completion percentage than pretty much any NFL quarterback has on any given year. So you literally have a better chance of Brady being in the conference championship during his career than you have of any Pro Bowl caliber quarterback completing a pass. The dude is unbelievable. 
He's the greatest quarterback of all time. There's not really a debate there at this point. Skill-wise, obviously, there's some players that had a little bit more athleticism, a little more skill, but you can't discount anything in his career at this point. I did write down some stats here. It's just unbelievable when you break down his whole career. In his 20s, he had 21,000 passing yards, 147 touchdowns, three times in the Super Bowl for Super Bowl champion, and two Super Bowl MVPs to go with it. That was all just in his 20s. You go to his 30s, he has his big time of 40,000 passing yards, 309 touchdowns. He got another Super Bowl and another Super Bowl MVP. And he got two overall MVPs and two Offensive Player of the Years. Obviously, Hall of Fame career just in his 30s. But then you go to his 40s. And in his 40s, he threw another 27,000 yards. He threw another 193 touchdowns and won three more Super Bowls. Two times he won the Super Bowl MVP and won another overall MVP as well. I mean, you could make a debate for any of his three decades that he is a Hall of Famer on its own in any of those. He almost has three Hall of Fame careers built into one. Yeah, his longevity, it's unmatched in any of the three major sports besides obviously maybe LeBron. You just come in there, a tackle sport. I mean, you're getting crushed game in, game out. I don't care what protection you have. I don't care if it says you aren't getting sacked each game. There's still quarterback pressures, knockdowns. You got to stand in that pocket. And his ability to just go in and win. Uh, me being a Colts fan, obviously I have some uh, a little bit of bias on who I think is the greatest all time in terms of skill. Uh, but, you know, Tom Brady, you can't really argue wins. I mean, like I said before, seven Super Bowl rings. What are you going to do with that? I mean, that's more than every other franchise I believe than is what he has. I mean, that's just astounding to me. Yeah. And I think you were right when you say that I think he is really done this time last year. It kind of seemed like he had a little bit of unfinished business and he kind of just randomly retired almost like, obviously it was a conversation that people were having, but this year he goes in, he had his first losing record ever and then gets knocked out by the Cowboys, which, I mean, if you're getting knocked out by the Cowboys at this point, you you might be ready to hang it up. I mean, he he knew it was time, and the way that he just came out and he was like, I'm not going to mess around this time. I'm done. I'm really done. Like, he He's really gone this time. And it's really going to set up a really interesting offseason that was already going to be built with a lot of, oh, where's this kind of quarterback going to go? Kind of the quarterback carousel uh, going into this offseason. It's going to be insane. Uh, there's very few good veteran type quarterbacks that are going to be available and really not a good quarterback class either coming into it. You have a few really top guys, but other than that, there's not a lot going there and there's a lot of teams that are going to need a quarterback. Yeah, there sure is. And not only the quarterback carousel does it play into is Giselle coming back. Do we know about that? (laughs) Maybe he's a little irate about uh, her, rumored to be dating her personal trainer. Uh, Maybe he's trying to make a comeback with that. Who knows? Hey, he came back to the NFL once. I'm sure he can try to make the comeback there, too. You're not wrong, buddy. He's won all these Super Bowls. Maybe he can win her back, too. We'll see. We'll see. But, yeah, I mean, we we kind of broke it down a little bit of, obviously, there's not a lot of quarterbacks. But there's really, after Brady is gone, there's really only three quarterbacks that are already in the league that, or even up for debate on whether or not they're going to be available. You have Derek Carr, who is obviously gone there. There's no shot. The Raiders hold on to him. They're going to make some kind of move. You have Jimmy Garoppolo, who's going to be a free agent. He's going to be somewhere new as well. But then you have Aaron Rodgers, who obviously you've seen my Jersey. You know who I root for. I'm a Packers guy. My personal belief is it's time to move on from him, but you never know with the Aaron Rodgers saga. It was like this all year last year. And then he ended up coming back. This year seems like it's a little more for real, like he may be gone, but he hasn't even announced that he's still playing yet. He said that he's going to decide right around the Super Bowl. I think that that plays in really well because Derek Carr's contract becomes fully guaranteed after, I believe it's two days after the Super Bowl. So I think he's kind of timing it up really well to be like, okay, am I going to come back? And if I am going to come back, who can trade for me? There's not a whole lot of teams there either. But really, those are the only three quarterbacks that are already in the league that teams are going to want that are going to try to win. Yeah, and with Derek Carr there, they're either going to have to cut him or trade him. He's already said his goodbye to Raider Nation and Las Vegas. 
And with him possibly being cut, I don't think he's going to want that, you know, to save face a little. It, it doesn't look great on a player to be cut rather than to be traded, especially a quarterback of premier position. I think he's willing to go to almost any team to save being cut. But at the same time, I don't know what the Raiders are going to be able to do and if anybody wants to take on that contract for Derek Carr. And like you said about Aaron Rodgers, obviously his resume speaks for itself. That guy is insane. Uh, The most pinpoint accurate quarterback I've ever watched put some balls in some stupid spots. Buddy just dots it up all day long. Uh, He regressed a little bit last year, but he didn't really have that number one de facto receiver. He lost Devontae Adams. And more than that, I think the big thing that's missed on Rodgers is obviously he doesn't have that big x-factor player like he usually has but he also broke his thumb like four weeks into the season and then played through the whole thing and whether or not he says it affected him or not you could clearly tell on some of his throws that they just they weren't Aaron Rodgers and I don't see how you can go from winning two straight MVPs to just not being able to throw an accurate ball obviously it was messing with him a little bit and having a whole offseason to recover from that he's gonna be fine wherever he plays it just depends on you know how he is it's gonna be does he want to play or does he not he wants to bring up a little bit of drama with it as well uh it'll be really interesting to see what happens with him especially with his cap hit um even if he leaves the Packers you're talking 40 million in dead cap at that point but if you hold on to him any longer it becomes even bigger and really you've had Jordan Love sit in for three years at this point he's gotta play at some point if you decide to bring Rodgers back you're likely going to hear Jordan Love say he wants a trade his agents already said that he potentially will want to ask for a trade if Rodgers comes back so either way you're thinking another Packers quarterback is going somewhere yeah absolutely whether it be Jordan Love or Aaron Rodgers but the thing with Rodgers is do the Packers want to discount him after last season Or do they want to try and have him come back and prove to everybody that he still is in that MVP form? Do they want to try and capitalize on what they can get for him more? Or do people want to pay for what they saw last year? I know the injury and things, but, you know, like they say, what have you done for me lately? Yeah, and it's interesting because if they had made the move last year, like a lot of Packers fans, myself included, think they should have, instead of offering him a big contract, you're probably talking, I mean, three first round picks at a minimum for him last year. There's still reports out there that are saying they're wanting two first round picks and that there's teams that are willing to bite on it. So, I mean, he's discounted a little bit, but if you hold on to him too much longer, he's also another year older. His contract is even bigger implications. If you wait another year, personally, if you're going to move on from him before his career is over, it's got to be this year. And there's, there's some good takers, especially with Brady out. Now you've got to talk. I mean, obviously the Raiders are a fit. It just depends what they're willing to give up for him. The jets are a team that a lot of people are talking about. They're the one that's been reported that says that they're willing to give up those two first round picks. And then, I mean, I don't think he's going to go in the NFC anywhere, but Purdy's out for who knows at at least six months, six to nine months, but you're with that injury could be even longer. It sounds like they're not really okay with Trey Lance at this point, just based on what they've been saying, they could want a new quarterback as well. And I mean, Rogers loves San Francisco. So chance there as well. You're not wrong there. And just looking at the quarterback situation going into next year, uh, you spoke on it a little here. I mean, there's so many question marks. You got Brady retiring. You have Tua that just got cleared from concussion protocol after a month of being in there. Tennessee might look to move on from Tannehill after losing the division to Jacksonville. You got Baltimore, uh, the Lamar Jackson saga. They're going to franchise tag him is what people are saying. Uh, is he going to want to sign that uh, to play for one year uh, when he's won a guaranteed contract the whole year? You've got Dallas. Dak Prescott did not look like his form before. Uh, you've got Indy. I mean, come on, veteran quarterback after veteran quarterback. When's that going to stop? Like you said, Green Bay with the Rodgers situation, Las Vegas with Derek Carr, San Francisco, Brock Purdy just got injured in the NFC Championship game, Trey Lance, he had his injury, Jimmy Garoppolo, they already came out and said he's not coming back. There are so many questions with 
so many teams with quarterback needs. And as you said, the top tier of the draft coming in, you've got Will Levis, Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, and Anthony Richardson. Uh, a lot of those guys, they're probably going to go top 10 just based off of quarterback needs from the teams heading in, even if it is reaching a little. Like we said, quarterback is premier position in the league. Yeah, definitely. And the thing about all the teams that you mentioned there, they're all the kind of the questionable teams even. They're the ones that, like the Packers, are they going to move on or are they not? Are the 49ers going to want a quarterback? Is Tua going to be okay? Is Lamar going to play? Those are the teams that there's some questions on whether or not they're going to need a quarterback. Then you have all the teams in the league that have to have a new quarterback situation or they're going to win like three games next year. The whole entire NFC South is that. Now, the starting projected as of right now in that division is Desmond Ritter for Atlanta, Sam Darnold for the Panthers, Jameis Winston for the Saints, and Kyle Trask for the Bucks. I don't know about you, but I don't think I would trust any of those quarterbacks to go win a division right now. And one of them as of this moment is supposed to. And then obviously you say the Colts, the Texans are going to take a quarterback with their top pick. The jets, they need a new quarterback. The commanders, they need a new quarterback. I mean, there's so many teams that really have to have one going into next year and there's just not enough quarterbacks. So it's going to be really interesting to see what they're going to do to fight over all those quarterbacks. Yeah, and like you said, there's there's so many people that need them, so many teams. And after all these trades are going through for all these veteran quarterbacks, how many people are going to want these other veteran quarterbacks? I mean, you had Carson Wentz with Indy. You had Carson Wentz with Washington. You had Matt Ryan with Indy. You had Sam Darnold. You had Baker Mayfield with Carolina. You had... Uh, Russell Wilson in Denver. Boy, don't even get me started on that. We'll talk about that in a second. But, I mean, all these trades giving up draft capital, at what point do you say, okay, I'm not going to keep biting on all these aging quarterbacks. We got to look into the draft. And then what is that going to do to the draft? Who's going to move up? Uh, How much does the number one, number two pick mean? What could the Bears get? I mean, there are just so many questions around quarterbacks this year. I've just never seen a year like this. It's going to turn into a real fiasco with everything just because of that. Because some of those players that you mentioned, like Carson Wentz, Baker Mayfield, they're going to have a job next year because there's just not enough top-tier quarterbacks. The way that we broke it down right there, there's at least 11 teams in question of a quarterback, at least. Like, maybe not all of them will have a new starter next year, but at least questionable at that point. And right now you've got three kind of sought after quarterbacks that are already playing two, if Rogers retires or stays. And then at that point, you've got four real contending rookies and who knows, they could come in and be absolutely nothing. So you can't count on any of them, but even if you count the four of them being starters and you count those top three, if Rogers goes somewhere, that's only seven. And there's at least 11 teams that could need a quarterback. So there's really, they're going to have to fight for it. So it could make some really interesting situations with the draft. It could make teams give up a lot more for someone like Rodgers. So, I mean, there's there's so much question going into it. It's really hard to predict. If you had to put a prediction out there for those three guys, Garoppolo, Rodgers, and Carr, where are you going with them? Uh, Rodgers, I just want to start off and say, I think he's going to the Jets. I just think it's the Packer way. You sit a young quarterback behind an all-time great. They come in, they go crazy, and then, you know, the Packer legend leaves to go to the Jets. What do you know? He's going to go to the Vikings after that. Um, <laughs> I could also see Carr going to a team like the Falcons or a team like the Titans, who um, obviously have young quarterbacks in Malik Willis and Desmond Ritter, they gave them a shot, uh, sort of, last year. Um, neither one of them seemed to do too well. Tennessee didn't trust Malik Willis to do anything but hand the ball off to Derrick Henry 79 times a game. Um, <laughs> and Desmond Ritter, obviously, they didn't trust enough to start over Marcus Mariota, who's been given chance, chance, and chance again. Um, uh, Garoppolo, you know, he's kind of like a Brady effect. Buddy 
goes in and wins. I mean, he's never going to have the statistics that Brady has or, you know, the Super Bowls that he has. But, I mean, just look at his track record. He goes in and he wins. That's all there is to it. Um, If if, uh, Lamar gets franchise tagged and he decides to Le'Veon Bellet and sit out, um, I could see Baltimore maybe offering Jimmy Garoppolo a contract to start with a premier team. Uh, might entice him to take a little bit of a pay cut there because, listen, Baltimore has a good enough defense and they have some offensive pieces like Mark Andrews. They have a good offensive line uh, that can entice him to take a pay cut to go somewhere like that. You know, uh, low risk, high reward kind of thing for Baltimore and you know, Jimmy Garoppolo might take a shot on himself again to prove to people that, hey, I can win places other than San Francisco. That's one I didn't think about, actually, going with Baltimore. See, uh, my my whole thing is, obviously, you got to find out where Rodgers is going first because those top teams, like the Raiders, who are going to need a quarterback, you've got to find out if he's going anywhere. If he is going somewhere, there's going to be a fight for him, and then those other players are going to go somewhere. I think the Jets, honestly, even though it's going to kill me as a Packers fan to see another Packers quarterback legend go to the Jets and then inevitably the Vikings at some point, I think the Jets make the most sense. But going to the Raiders and getting back with Devontae Adams and Josh McDaniels, where he's never been with him, but he was very outspoken about wanting him to come to the Packers when he was available. I think that makes a lot of sense. It just depends on what the Raiders are going to be willing to give up. Packers aren't going to do it without giving up a first round pick. They're just or getting a first round pick. They're just not at least one. And Raiders only have the seventh overall. So I don't know if they're going to be willing to fork that over, but I don't see the Packers moving on from Rodgers without getting at least one first round pick for this year and then something else with it. So if they're willing to do that, I think the Raiders make a decent amount of sense as well. I also think if they don't get Rodgers, Jimmy Garoppolo makes a lot of sense there as well, or they're going to go with one of the young guys, but it's going to be really interesting to see where they go. I was just kind of curious where you, where you were thinking with those big guys. Obviously I think the Colts are going to go young, they're going to take somebody at that spot in the draft. It just depends what the Texans do beforehand or if anyone tries to trade up for the Bears pick. Yeah, speaking on the Raiders there as well, uh, the seventh overall pick, as high as that is, um, the Packers obviously aren't going to look for a new young quarterback. They have Jordan Love sitting on the bench waiting, um, and Aaron Rodgers has been coaching him up, speaks volumes about the guy. Uh the thing I could see is that the seventh overall pick and reports have come out about the Raiders looking to shop Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller. So maybe they're going to package together the seventh overall pick and Darren Waller, or maybe they stay pat at that seventh pick and look for more draft capital. You know, it's something that you just don't see. You just don't know. Uh, I don't know if teams are willing to give up draft capital much anymore after Indianapolis has screwed the pooch how many knows times with, Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan, Phillip Rivers panned out well, almost beat uh, Buffalo in that wild card game. But, you know, Uncle Philly, he's just something different, though. Speaking of draft capital, the Broncos just gave up a first and a second for a head coach. And that kind of is a good transition into the kind of the head coaching world right now. Obviously, you've got a lot of moving parts right now, a lot of things still undecided. But the big ones so far would be right to the Panthers and then the Broncos giving up draft capital to go after Sean Payton. And the amount of capital that they've given up for him and Russell Wilson now is just out of this world. And I I don't see how they have a winning team right now with that. I don't either. Um, looking at what they have given up combined with Sean Payton and Russell Wilson, it is three first-round picks, three seconds, a third, a fifth, Drew Locke, Shelby Harris, Noah Fant, <laughs> and that's just to trade for them. They gave Russell Wilson a five-year, $242 million contract, and Sean Payton's look at, looking at an average of 17 to $20 million a year. <laughs> it's just insane. You cannot give up that kind of stuff for an aging quarterback, which 
he could be good still. You don't know. Maybe they had a bad year with him. I mean, he was competing with his amount of bathrooms for touchdowns for most of the year. But who knows? Maybe it was just adjusting after being with Pete Carroll for years and years and years. But I don't even understand giving up a draft pick for a head coach in the first place. And here's the other thing. Obviously, Sean Payton is a very well-respected coach around the league. Everybody loves the guy. But he, as far as winning goes, hasn't done that much more than the average long-term Coach in the league, Mike McCarthy, who I can't stand. I've been a Packers fan for years, and I think the Packers would have had at least a couple more Super Bowls under Rodgers if McCarthy wasn't there. But not the point. The stats speak for themselves. Mike McCarthy's record in his career, including playoffs, is 166-107-2. and He has 11 playoff appearances and has been to one Super Bowl, and he won it. Sean Payton in his career, including playoffs, 161-97, and nine playoff appearances, and one Super Bowl. Now, could you see any team in the league giving up a first and a second overall pick for Mike McCarthy? I could see the Cowboys getting rid of a first and a second to give up Exactly. And that's my point. I mean, Sean Payton is obviously a very well-respected coacher. He's not getting that kind of capital or that kind of money. But you can't tell me that the head coach that's doing that. And obviously he had some down years without breeze there or with breeze injured, et cetera, et cetera. But you can't tell me that any head coach in the league is going to be worth a first and a second when you could go out there and get players and sign one of the coaches that's currently available. Yeah. I see where you're coming with that. But at the same time, Drew Brees was overlooked when, when he injured his shoulder, when he was a charger. I mean, no one wanted to give him a shot. The saints did look how that panned out with him and Sean Payton. Also, you're taking a, a high risk, very high reward um, with trading for a coach uh, because two of the last coaches to be traded for, uh, Bill Belichick, regarded as one of the best coaches of all time, and you also have John Gruden. Look how that turned out. <laughs> We've seen how Raiders Nation loves Gruden. Yeah, absolutely. You're. Oh man, it is either a surefire or you, or you are just missing the target big time then. and that's the problem i mean they're not like it's not like they were a coach away from winning that team went in with that team last year they went five and 12 russ couldn't do anything their defense was stellar but their offense was not there and i don't see bringing sean payton in doing that for them without any high picks to be able to get it and i mean it's not like they have a lot of cap space either maybe they'll work it out but i mean just going into that i just i don't think that they're going to be a winning team with it i think they're wasting their picks getting him there cuz i don't think Sean Payton's going to be around that long either at that point yeah defenses can win championships but at the same time if you look at Denver they did have a stellar defense but you can't bail out the offense every time and they lost Bradley Chubb late in the year to a trade and they're also more than likely going to lose their defensive coordinator uh, to a head coaching vacancy. I mean, you still have Arizona and you have Indianapolis out there. Yep. And I mean, they're they're both still looking at a lot of different options as well. I know the Colts are on their second round of interviews uh, from a from a Colts fan perspective. I've heard that most of the fans don't want Jeff Saturday back. Is that kind of still where you guys stand? Is that where you stand on it? Listen, Jeff Saturday as a player, absolutely love the guy. I mean, he's got heart. He's got fire. I would love to bring him back as a special kind of coach, uh, bring him back as an offensive line coach, something like that. I mean, you have Reggie Wayne as the wide receiver coach. Why not? Um, but I do not want him back as the head coach. He had no prior coaching experience except for a high school team where they couldn't even win a state championship. How do you expect them to win at the highest stage there is in the world? It's super tough, man. It's super tough. It really is. I mean, head coaching is not for everybody. I mean, look at Nick Saban. People don't know this, but he came to the NFL. He didn't have that great a success, so he went back to Alabama, and he kills it every year. Just locked up his third number one recruiting class in the past six years. I mean, people love to play for that guy. But at the same time, I would like to see the Colts bring in someone like Brian Callahan, who, you know, has taken the Bengals offense to another level. I know the players they have over there, but I mean, you can have people run wild. You still got to have somebody play, call the plays and set up the schemes and things like that. Or Raheem Morris, um, that's someone I would like as well. There are just so many more options that I would like to see the Colts pursue rather than Jeff Saturday as a head coach. 
hundred percent. I mean, he seems like he's a great guy. He's a good influence around the team, but you would have to have some really, really stellar OC and DC and other coaches around him because he's just, he hasn't done that stuff. He's not knowledgeable enough in those areas to really take a team to the next level. He's a great motivator for you guys. And obviously he can work the line like no other, but I mean, I think bringing someone else in and like you said, having him on there as some kind of special assistant makes a lot more sense uh, for you guys there. Yeah. I mean, when he was brought in, our run game improved, our pass blocking, run blocking, everything around the line improved, everything involving the ground game improved. I mean, he is a run the ball down your throat kind of guy, but how did the team fare as we went down the stretch? We won the first game with him beating the Raiders of all teams. They're about as big as a dumpster fire right now as the Colts are. I mean, I would love to see him come back as, like I said, a special assistant coach, offensive line coach, something of that nature. But, I mean, we're still looking for an offensive coordinator. We have a defensive coordinator, but the new head coach might want to bring in a new one. We have a well-respected special teams coach in uh, Bubba Ventrone. I mean, we have the pieces there. Just bring in the right people. Real quick before we move on to baseball, your final prediction for the Colts, who you think they're really going to bring in, not who you want, who the Cardinals are going to bring in, and who you think the Colts are going to end up having as their quarterback next year. Um, So who I think the Colts are honestly going to bring in um, is Brian Callahan. I think they're going to want him. If not him, then it's got to be Raheem Morris. Those guys have just been talked around about, um, around people uh, surrounding the Colts. Uh, I think that that just works out well for them. I really do. Um, And the Cardinals, I think if Brian Callahan doesn't go to the Colts, I think he's going to the Cardinals. He's very well respected. Um, People want him. People have been wanting him. Uh, with D'Amico Ryans going to the Texans, which is funny because he sued them back in 2016, but now he's their head coach. Look how that works out. Um, but with D'Amico Ryans gone, Sean Payton off the books, I mean, Brian Callahan is is the biggest target. He is NFL's most wanted. I mean, the guy is, is great. I think he'll do great. Um, that's who I'm hoping the Colts get. And I personally think the Colts will end up with C.J. Stroud as their quarterback heading into next year. I don't think the Texans will let Bryce Young fall past two. I really don't. I 100% agree. I think Stroud's going to end up being that guy for you guys. But time to talk a little baseball. Obviously, my favorite, my pastime. I love talking about it. Uh, We're going to be covering the World Baseball Classic as well. The rosters are still being finalized. Uh, February 9th is going to be the the day that they do that. Obviously, there's still some more free agent signings that will be happening, some smaller ones at least, maybe a few more trades, who knows. But spring training starting up soon, so we're going to end up bringing you some rankings of all the top, you know, position by position. We're going to talk about some of the division favorites who we think are going to win some of the awards and ultimately break down the world baseball classic as well today. I think we have enough information that we can really talk about who we think the favorites are going to be for each league, kind of our world series favorites at that point. And there's a few teams that really stand out among everybody on both sides. Uh, I think we're going to have a little bit of a different opinion on some of the stuff there, but ultimately I think it really just comes down to there's a few real dominant teams in the league this year. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I'll start out with mine here, who I think uh, is going to end up in the world series. I personally think the Dodgers are going to head back. Um, You know, they're just loaded with talent, rotation, young players. I mean, They have everybody that you could want. Uh, The Rays are going to put it together. They're going to be healthy, and they're going to be there. Um, I think the Yankees and the Astros are going to put up a good fight. But, again, as we've seen in previous years, I think the Yankees are going to choke like they have recently, uh, not make it out of, you know, like the wild card, uh, ALDS, and the Astros. I just think that without Verlander, it's going to be something big. I think Pena is going to have a sophomore slump. I don't think Jose Altuve is going to hit as well as he did last year. 
I just don't see them making it back out of the ALDS. So here's my thing for the American League and the Astros specifically. Um, They ran it last year and really didn't have to try. That was the thing that stands out to me as why I think they're going to run it back. Um, I don't know if they're going to win the World Series. There's some real good National League teams. But when you look at them, they might have lost Verlander, but they had Framber Valdez and they had Christian Javier both pitching as aces anyways. They have another year under their belt. I see no reason that they're not going to repeat that success. And then they're bringing in Hunter Brown, their top pitching prospect. And just watching the guy throw the limited amount that he has, even in the majors at this point, the dude's got some talent. I think he's got a real shot of taking on Gunnar Henderson for rookie of the year this year. And they added Jose Abreu to get a little bit more consistency in the lineup as well. Um, Obviously they have a few weaknesses here and there, but ultimately they're just so damn stacked, especially with their pitching staff. Um, I think the Yankees can give them a run for it, bringing in Rodon, but obviously Judge had a magical year and basically lifelined them to the AL East Championship last year. Uh, they just fell off a off a cliff, everyone on that team, but Judge last year. So they've got to find some consistency. I think Stanton is going to have a good year being able to uh, kind of bounce back a little bit because of the Judge effect. People aren't going to want to pitch to him. But other than that, I mean, you've got to have some of those young guys like Fulpe may not be up, but you've got Cabrera coming up. Uh, you've got Peraza coming up. They're going to have to contribute a ton for them to be able to keep up with the Astros. I don't think they're going to have a problem running the AL East again, but I think it's the Astros league to lose at this point. They might've lost Verlander, but they did it relatively easily last year with him. Uh, I see no reason that they can't do it again without him, just with the amount of people that they have already on the team. And you got to remember last year, even though Altuve may not hit that well, he had like an 0 for 24 streak or something like that to start the playoffs. And they still swept all the way to the World Series. So they've got the talent around where they can really do that anyways. Um, There's some sneaky teams like the Rays, like you said, if they can stay healthy. The Mariners added some good talent. They could definitely be there as well. Um, I think another team that could surprise some people is the Guardians. They played really well last year, and Jose Ramirez didn't have a very good year by his standards. So if he gets back to his shape and their pitching staff holds up, uh, I think they could be real sneaky as well. And then the Blue Jays, I mean, they made some real good trades, and Dalton Varsho is very underrated. He could kind of push their offense above as well. So the Ales kind of my side that I think is settled, but there are some sneaky teams that could be there as well. I think the National League is way more interesting as far as who could make it, though. Yeah, and speaking on sneaky teams, I think you got to throw the Red Sox in there. <laughs> Maybe for the worst record in baseball at this point after everything no, they did sir, this year. No, sir. You know how it always goes. The Red Sox are going to finish last, and they're going to win the World Series. You know how this works. One year, one year, and yeah, it, it happens every time. But, I mean, they at least those other times they made some moves to make it happen. This year they sold the bag. They had – we were talking about it a little bit off of the record, but they had eight free agents going into this offseason – Seven of them have signed. All seven of them were elsewhere. And the one that hasn't signed is Michael Walker, and you're not bringing Michael Walker back. So you really sold everything out there and brought in uh, Yoshida, and you brought in Justin Turner, and you brought in Kenley Jansen. Don't think that makes up for anything there. Listen, I know we sold the bag on Bogarts, still uh, recovering from that one. Whew. I am... I am hurting on the inside still. I do not blame him. The Red Sox fumbled the bag. Fenway Sports Groups needs to get their head out of their ass and start spending some time on the Red Sox instead of whatever NHL, MLS purchase they're trying to do. Uh, but, I mean, you brought in a, a guy like Adalberto Mondesi. I mean, when healthy, he is a game changer. He's got some power, obviously has some speed switch hitter yeah but off of his injury coming in you think he's still gonna have the same speed it's gonna be real tough and if he plays a lot you're right but you've got to have some bounce backs and you've got to have tristan casas just play like he like he's projected to but play out of his mind to have a shot i think there's a better chance of you guys coming in last and having 100 losses than taking that division yeah but we also have trevor story i'm hoping he bounces back with offseason surgery Chris Sale, let's hope he doesn't have any more bike accidents. I mean, (laughs) 
if he can come back healthy, you know how dominant he can be. Justin Turner, I mean, we pretty much swapped him for J.D. Uh, I mean, he's been a little more of a contact-hitting guy. I mean, he's just a put-the-ball-to-the-back kind of guy. Uh, like you said, Tristan Cassis, if Kike Hernandez can get up there, um, if our rotation can stay healthy with all those old farts in there, I mean, they can really do something if Kinley can come through and be like he was uh, in his prime Dodgers days. I mean, we can hope. Uh, I mean, Marcelo Mayer, maybe he's coming up. Who knows? Man, I I think their over-under is set at like 76 and a half or something like that right now. And I'll tell you, any day of the week, I'm taking the under on that. I am smashing the over. No. Smashing no the over button. They just they're in such a tough division and i know this year is the first year that they're spreading out the schedules a little more which is great for baseball honestly they're not uh they're not playing each team in the division the the cardinals aren't playing the pirates 20 times a year at this point which will be good um but i still think they're facing too tough of talent every day uh where i i just don't see them being able to do it now on the national league side though i i can't really say i have a favorite like I do on the Astros side. I see no reason they can't run it back, but the Dodgers for the first time in, I don't know how long lost some superstars and didn't go in and make a big splash to replace them. They lost Trey Turner, which is a huge hit. Um, Their rotation should be fairly healthy, which is going to be good. And they've got some good prospects coming up like Bobby Miller, who throws just straight gas. But I mean, you don't have that strong when Noah Syndergaard with how poor he's been these last few years is your number five on the Dodgers. That kind of speaks volumes compared to where they've been before. Um, I still think they'll take the division with ease. I think uh, I think the Padres got better, but they're just too top-heavy. They're kind of becoming the angels of the National League. I don't see them being able to have the talent to win enough games to take the division. You get them in the playoffs, they could beat anybody, but getting to that point is going to be hard. Um, but the NL East is the real interesting one. You've got the Braves, who just quietly... Alex Antopoulos just puts up just ridiculous extensions and puts together a super team for relatively cheap. But then you've got the Mets who will spend any amount of money it takes to win. Did you say relatively cheap? That man is policing (laughs) his players. He is is slipping them roofies when they go into contract (laughs) negotiations. The fact that he has realistically a top five player in the league and Ronald Acuna for like a hundred million for seven years is just ridiculous. That's the way that he makes those contracts is just insane. But then you've got the big spenders, man. You've got the big spender and then you've got the Phillies who are also becoming a big spender at this point. And they just came off a world series, almost victory. And then you bring in Trey Turner on top of that and a bunch of other small pieces that are going to help them. That division is just so up for grabs. It's insane. You could, the third projected team in the division is the Braves. And I don't see a reason I couldn't, I could see them winning a hundred games. So, I mean, there's so much talent in those five teams. Uh, You have a team like the Cardinals who are probably going to win 90 plus games, but they're not going to be competitive compared to those teams. They're going to have the wins because they play the central a lot and they're going to win the division because there's no one else to compete with them. But you put that division winner up against one of the division winners and the other two divisions and they're getting swept. They're just those five teams are just unbelievable. Yeah. And and I want to go back to the Dodgers for a second here. Uh, Trey Turner did depart for the Phillies, um, but maybe Gavin Lux can finally step up and uh, be that top prospect like he was supposed to be. Uh, Michael Bush might have a good outlook there. Um, They can try him out at shortstop. I know neither one of them is going to bring the game-changing mentality nor the speed that uh, Trey Turner can, but I think if either one of those guys can live up to their uh, prospect hype, then uh, I think that'll be another one. And uh, speaking on the Mets here again, uh, Stephen Cohen, uh, he has no problem whipping out that checkbook like he is uh, Elon Musk. I mean, he missed out Buddy. on Correa, and he still has a hundred million on the next best team. Yeah, he's a uh, buddy goes in, and I think he's what's right and what's wrong with the league. Um, you know, teams not afraid to go over that luxury tax. Um, you know, incur penalties from spending too much money and making baseball, you know, a competitive balance and and teetering a little. But also, 
um, what's right, going out and spending money, making it worthwhile for the fans. Tell me it's not interesting to go watch the athletics and their $30 million payroll right now. Absolutely not. And what have the pirates done? The pirates just signed their biggest free agent. I don't even remember the guy's name. (laughs) Yeah, they, uh, they, I think their biggest contract ever now was like the 12 million a year or whatever that he got. Um, yeah, it's absurd. I mean, it's ridiculous. You have fans going in spending money every day. At least the Mets are trying to say, okay, we'll make our guys competitive. We aren't going to be homegrown. We'll pull the old Yankees. We'll spend whatever money we have to. And then the A's and the Pirates are still stuck in 1980 where they think the salary cap tops out at $25 million. I do think my favorite um, my favorite thing of the offseason was the Orioles coming out and saying, we are going to significantly increase the payroll. That was their exact words from their front office. And they added, I, I want to say it was like a mil, a million maybe on. I mean, they spent a little bit, but you're talking a team that was well ahead of where they were supposed to be. And if you bring in a couple of those big pitchers, like they could have beat the Yankees this off, like this upcoming year. They could be, at least they could have been, they could still be really good, even with not bringing anybody in, just with Grayson Rodriguez coming in and potentially being something for them but they they said we're significantly increasing it and brought in nobody just like the cardinals uh, at least uh you know will be fun and could be even more fun if teams like the orioles and the red sox didn't just completely sell the bag i mean red sox lost a franchise cornerstone and the orioles like you said were much better than what they were supposed to be i mean you have the best catcher in the league, in my opinion, who's going to solidify that next season and Adley Rushman, uh, like you said, Grayson Rodriguez. I mean, what's not to like about that team? I mean, they are fun. They're young. They, they just go out and play ball. They play hard. And, and if you, like you said, would have brought in some, some more of those veteran guys, some more talented players, they definitely could have been a playoff team. No doubt in my mind about it. 100%. 100%. And they could still be fighting for a wild card. They probably won't get it, but they they definitely could have if they had actually put forth some money on it. And Adley will be the best catcher in baseball, but you can't discount someone like JT right now. He's still the best. Um, I would argue that the man that the Cardinals brought in to replace Yadier Molina may still be ahead of him for this year, and then Adley's going to just storm by everyone his sophomore year. But for now, I can still appreciate the fact that they brought in the best free agent catcher to uh, fill some holes. But other than that, they just they didn't bring in nearly enough as they should have. They're going to rely way too much on some bounce-back years from their guys, and uh, they're going to win plenty of games, but it's going to just end up being a farewell tour for Adam Wainwright, and they'll get knocked out first round again. Yeah, let's hear your let's hear a little more in depth uh, on your outlook for the Cardinals. I gave mine on the Red Sox. Let's hear what you got to say about the. Cardinals I mean, here. they're a talented team. They're a very talented team. Um, I think they're going to have a top five offense in baseball. Their offense is that good, and they're projected to be even better. Um, Tyler O'Neill was hurt all year last year, and he, if healthy, can be insanely good dylan carlson had the worst offensive year he's had so far but he's a gold glove caliber center fielder and if he can even get his bat relatively back to even league average at that point um you've got a really good player in him lars newt bar is everyone's kind of favorite guy to root for that's not on their team at this point and even he instead of just being kind of a joke with his name has become a very very good player um, you've seen some videos of him in the cage this offseason hitting new exit velocity records, so he could be really good. And then their infield is just ridiculously stacked. I mean, you have a top prospect like Nolan Gorman that doesn't have a starting spot right now because you had too many good players come up and just dominate. You've got Arnauto and Goldschmidt at the corner, two in, or one and two for MVP. I don't think Goldie's going to be that good again this year, but I could very easily see Arnauto taking MVP this year or at least being a top three finish again. Um, and then you bring in Wilson Contreras. And as much as I love Yadier Molina, I mean, I named my dog after the dude. He's my favorite player, but he was really, really bad last year offensively. And bringing in someone like Wilson Contreras is going to be just exponentially better for them. And then you have their top prospect, Jordan Walker, who has moved all the way up to number four on Baseball America's top prospect list at this point. He is huge. He's almost like like his comparisons are like Aaron Judge at this point. He hasn't played above double A yet, 
but there he's got a spring training invite. There's a lot of people that are saying he's has a chance to crack the opening day roster. If he does, he's going to compete with Corbin Carroll for rookie of the year. Could even win the thing. He's going to be really, really good once he gets acclimated to the league. And if you can add that bat to the middle, they'll be insane. But the problem is they're pitching. It was that going into the offseason and they added nobody. You've got 40-year-old Adam Wainwright as your ace. You've got Jordan Montgomery, who's coming off a good season, but he's not statistically that good going into it. You've got Miles Michaelis, who if he's healthy, he's going to be solid, but he's not an ace. And then you've got Steven Matz and uh, Jack Flaherty as your four and five, and they can be good. Flaherty could be an ace if he could stay healthy, but both of them have injury history. I don't see either of them lasting the whole season. And then you're relying on just some backup guys like Matthew Liberator at this point. Um, so I think that's going to be their big problem. I think they're going to win the division with ease, but again, just like every other year, they don't compete with those what East and West coast teams and they're going to get knocked out early because of it. Yeah. I like what you said about that. They didn't bring in enough. And like you said, I think they're relying too heavily on some bounce back seasons coped with, uh, relying on Arnauto, Goldschmidt, Tommy Edmond people putting up those insane seasons like they did last year. Obviously, I'm a big fan of Arnato. I think he's going to repeat that. Um, I think he's amazing offensively, uh, even better defensively, but he's probably the best third baseman we've ever seen. Um, hey, not according to MLB Network. They had him ranked fifth. So uh... <laughs> Yeah, Devers rightfully so was above him. So it's, uh, oh. you know, we let the experts talk about that. See, that's another part of it is you go into it and you have a lot of the players that are going to play with a vengeance. I have no doubts that offense is going to be just amazing. Arnauto is going to come in and he's going to make some remarks about that. I can see it already. But another one that's interesting is Tommy Edmond didn't even crack the top 10 in shortstops. The guy had the highest war of any shortstop in the league last year. And obviously he's a good base runner, good fielder, but you can't tell me the top war isn't even a top 10 player. He'll come in with a vengeance. It's it's going to be an interesting year for them. Um, but I think it's really going to come down to they just don't have the pitching to compete. When you go up in the playoffs and you face a Julio Urias, Clayton Kershaw, or you face uh, Zach Wheeler, Aaron Nola, like they did last year and got knocked out. Um, Justin, Verlander Max, Justin Verlander, Max Scherzer. I mean... Even like a Max Freed at the top, you don't have someone to compete with it and you're going to get slapped around in a short playoff series. You can win games all year with average pitching, but you can't win a World Series without that ace level stuff. Yeah, and like you said, maybe Jack Flaherty comes back. Uh, same thing with Chris Sale and the Red Sox. You know, we got hope for him, but let's be real. Injuries have derailed him. Uh, also, Cardinals, you know, that's where people go to die literally and figuratively um ouch also talking about uh some one-year wonders there sometimes I'm not saying it always happens but here but here here though honest. if jordan walker cracks that opening day roster he will win rookie of the year that'll be here first all right and then that's where our podcast goes to die because <laughs> our takes are as bad as our name <laughs> Oh, we'll see what happens. And we'll have a lot more content for you guys as the season gets closer, really cracking down on all of the rosters and everything. It's uh, just going into it, kind of our first take on uh, on a little bit of the, the MLB upcoming season and really just kind of recapping some NFL stuff. A lot more interesting things are going to be happening here soon. But we're excited to bring you a lot more stuff. We really are. It's going to be a lot of fun getting into this. We both enjoy it. And it's going to be just a great time. And if you guys have any kind of rankings list that you want us to go over, any kind of drafts that you want us to do, that's something that we're going to get into as well. Uh, or just anything that's happening in sports that you don't hear covered a lot. We'd love to get some input. This is going to be on YouTube. It's going to be on all of our podcasts. We'll post on our social media as well. Leave a comment. Shoot us a DM. Let us know what you're thinking. Let us know what you're wanting to hear. And let us know what you thought about this as well. If you think that we're covering everything well, uh, we're open to suggestions though we're ready to hear anything and again uh, just give us a follow on everything give us a good review we'd love it we're obviously just starting just starting to grow out so any kind of uh, any kind of clicks is going to be really helpful for us we'll really appreciate that yeah guys any kind of exposure we can get um, whether you think our takes are terrible or good uh, let us know 
Um, if you'd like to listen, if if you like what we were saying, uh, give us a shout out, you know, retweet us, follow us, tell your friends about us. Um, we're really just small. I know there's a lot of people coming out here trying to do that. Um, but but we have a lot to talk about. We're very passionate about sports. Um, we have some friends we'd like to bring on as guest speakers, um, especially in other sports. They have a lot of expertise in that. Um, and really just let us know what you think. Um, like he said, shoot us a DM, a message, uh, add us on Twitter, um, TikTok. We're going to be creating a page there soon. Um you can uh, email us about business inquiries, possibly. Um, we'll put that up on our Twitter page. Um, just give us a shout out, anything. And we I, we promise we'll hear you guys. We are that small. We care about our listeners. Absolutely. And again, follow us on Twitter at Oblivious Sport. Follow us or give us a uh, give us a like. Watch our videos on YouTube at Oblivious Sports. And again, obviously, on wherever you find podcasts, you're going to find us at Oblivious Sports. And that about wraps it up for today. We'll uh, look forward to bringing out another episode to you guys here very shortly, covering some more things in depth, getting ready for the Super Bowl, getting ready for the World Baseball Classic. Really looking forward to talking about all those things with you guys. Yep. Thanks for coming to enjoy sports with us, guys.